save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Some people are afraid to go to the gym because they don't want to do the workout because they think they might not beat their training buddy in the workout. This is so outside their wheelhouse. That's the exact opposite approach. What you're doing is you're, that's performance anxiety. Yep. I don't want to go do that. I might not do well. That's the exact reason to go there is because you'll probably gain the most from that exposure. So whether it's, I don't want to um, join that painting class. I don't want to um, do the public speaking. I don't want to contribute in the meeting. I don't want to um, jump in that competition. I don't want to do partner with that person, the partner workout. Um, stop labeling it as pass fail and look at it as an opportunity for growth. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hey, Ben. Patrick, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Today we're going to do something. I asked you first how you're doing. you doing. I never do that. That's true. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, today we're going to do something that we've done a handful of times now that we'll continue to do. Uh, it's called the two-minute drill. For those who are new to the podcast, uh, first, welcome. Second, uh, the two-minute uh, two-minute drill is, is effectively a handful of listener questions um, that uh, are all obviously within the scope of things that we talk about here on the podcast, but that perhaps don't warrant an entire episode. So the goal for you is uh, to get eat, to get these questions and then try to answer them within two minutes or 10 if that's appropriate. Challenge accepted. Um, so again, we've done this a handful of times. So uh, today, um, I'm actually bringing this computer closer so I can read it. Um, uh, these questions are, like I said, uh, all relevant to what we talk about, but in no particular order um, other than they, they were just the, the order that I put them together. So the first question is, what do you think athletes will be able to do in 10 or 20 years from now? Uh, that's a really okay um <laughs> two minutes ago. yeah um athletes is a really broad yeah. spectrum so i'm going to answer it broad um it seems um that ath- athletic improvement seems to um improve about 10 percent every 50 years okay and that's a really broad thing so yep. so if we kind of do the math on that in 25 years that would be five percent so they ask, so we're looking for about a, a two and a half percent improvement in ten years. They ask mm-hmm. uh, ten to twenty. So okay. You can pick so yeah. So a I would imagine a um, two and a half to a five percent improvement over that time span. Now that's going to also be very um, predicated by what athletes we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Are these? Um, is it an emerging sport? Because if you look at like. Um, BMX biking, or um, like I'm just saying, ones that emerged recent over the last 20 years. You, you take like uh, kite surfing, BMX, a lot of the X Games sports. Yep. Like 20 years ago, like they had a huge. They're probably they're probably four or five hundred percent better than they were. You know, doing a 360 on a skateboard back then was now they're doing like triple flips mm-hmm. or on a BMX bike. Take CrossFit athletes. 
the sport is so new that when the sport was starting, if you had a couple muscle-ups, yeah. you were an elite. Like Andy Thor's daughter did really well at the games not having a muscle-up. She got her first muscle-up at the games. Um, the winning clean and jerk at the 2000, uh, sorry, the winning snatch at the 2008 oh, CrossFit Games, the did. last one at the ranch, they did a one rep max snatch. Um, I believe that Tanya Wagner, uh, uh, Candace, a woman named Candace might've won it. Tanya might've come in second. was was 135 pounds, I think, for a female. Yeah. So, I mean, they're doing workouts with that now. All the, the girls are, somebody just snatched uh, in a competition, I think a female just snatched 215. So they've almost doubled it in two years. So that's a really broad question that necessitates a really broad answer. So it depends on how fast the sport is emerging. I'm going to, if we take a stab at what do they, what do you think CrossFit athletes are going to do? Um, it'll probably be in line with what we've seen, which is the athletes are going to be snatching. Um, you know, the female athletes will be snatching. I'm going over the two minutes, aren't I? That's right. The athletes will be the female athletes will be snatching. Um, you know, in the you know two forty five range, I would guess. Um, and the guys will be snatching in the the mid threes, and they'll probably. Um, running, you know, sub five minute miles. Mm. That might be a fun episode to do at some point, that question. And Let's try to yeah, pull it out. Uh, second question. How do you get more clients to take nutrition seriously? By you taking it more seriously. If you, whatever you take seriously is what your clients take seriously. If you think that um, how much you clean and jerk really matters, they're going to think it really matters. If you think it's about how... Um, how fast you run, if you think it's about beating people next to you, whatever you focus on, they will. So focus on it yourself and by default, they will, it'll, you know, trickle down. Yeah, it'll trickle down to them. Um, otherwise, start talking about what, because it's what you're going to talk about, Think you what you think moves the needle. If you believe it's the number one thing for athletic performance and health and um, looking good, then you believe that and you're going to start talking about it more. Do you think it's a disservice to members to have a competition class? No, it depends on what, what you want to put out to your class. So if you have a community gym that's family oriented, it's about getting people off of the couch and off diabetes, you have a competition class? Yes. If you have a gym that's predicated on 300 pound clean and jerks, 20 unbroken muscle ups, performing well in the open regionals and games, I hope you have a competition class. Right. So it depends on what you're setting your gym up to be. But going against that, yes, would be a total disservice. If you are setting up your gym to have daycare and family and you're talking to doctors about, um, uh, you know, you don't need to prescribe medicine because you can get them healthy. And then it's about competition. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a disservice. What are your five and 10 year goals personally and professionally? Oh, wow. Uh, this could be a whole episode. Um, so I'll keep it really quick. Um, um, personally, it's um, my the five L's. To live, love, learn, lead, and leave a legacy. So um, each of those categories, I have a set uh, um, number of measurables that I'm looking for for long-term goals. I actually don't have them out to five years. I'm up to three years. So I know I'm looking to do in three years. Um, and for the business... Depends on what business we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But the general thing I look for in all of my businesses, the my metric of success, um, short-term and long-term, 
is cash money <laughs> is yeah. um, am <laughs> I proud of this? Yeah. I want to build things that I'm proud of. So we have um, three year, uh, we call it the three year picture. We have a three year picture for each of my businesses. And it's a list of about uh, eight to 15 items for each of the businesses. Uh, any reason you don't like do a 10 year type thing? We have a 10 year, but it's just one thing. Okay. So uh, the 10 year thing um, for CrossFit New England is to be recognized at so for us, this is the way we define it. So maybe we're um, going to go outside the 10 minutes here. You asked a follow-up question. <laughs> I asked outside the two minutes. Um, we set those up as uh, the BHAGs, the big, hairy, audacious goals. They're so far down the road and so much changes. I don't want them to be specific, measurable, attainable, and relevant, and time-bound. That makes no sense. Like yeah. That's like saying, what would you like to, what would you like your marathon time to be in 10 years? Mm -hmm. Like, what? <laughs> like I've just, I, I've only run one or I've never run one. Like how do I know it's going to be in 10 years? Yep. It's, it's a crapshoot. Instead, it's kind of this big kind of feel type thing. Our goals for the gym is um, to be recognized as the world's best gym. Now that might sound braggadocious. It might sound like who does he think he is? It's supposed to be that. Mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's not too scary, it's too small. If I know I can achieve it, I'm not into it. So it's got to be that thing that's a total big reach. Next question is, any tips on public speaking? It's hard. Um, <laughs> here's my tip that I think has worked really well for me. Yeah. When you're up there, find the person in the crowd that has the really soft smile, the engaging eyes, and doing all of the head bobs. Mm -hmm. Like, I totally, what you're saying is amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And talk to that person. If you get latched onto the person that kind of has the scowl mm -hmm. and shaking yeah. their head, and they're like shrugging their shoulders like, huh, what? I don't get it. Yeah. Talk to the person that is so into what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Got it. Uh, do you have any thoughts on CrossFit for first responders versus for general health? Um, it, uh, no, it's the same thing. CrossFit was created for you. Mm. CrossFit was created for first responders and military. That's the reason the program was developed was exactly for you guys. So it is to be ready for the unknown and the unknowable. That's exactly what your jobs are. If the question was for professional athletes, it would be different. If the question was for people um, trying to get off of um, diabetes medication, the answer would be different. But for you guys, do CrossFit exactly as it's prescribed on the main site. That's going to be perfect for you. Ideal body fat percentage for male and female CrossFit athletes. So I think we have to define what an athlete is. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll just kind of put my own definition. So let's talk about like, or let's categorize them. Yep. Um, for the CrossFit gains, those guys are obviously very lean. Every extra ounce of body fat that isn't helping them isn't helping them. So it's about kind of that seven, eight percentage for guys. And for girls, it's about that 13, 14% range for girls. For your regular class athletes at... Um, kind of like uh, the same age group. Those guys are all like that 25-year-olds. Um, there, it, we're looking for guys a little bit. They don't need to be quite as lean. If they're kind of um, around that 10% number, really solid girls. If they're around that 15%, really number. Now, if we kind of bump that up to like some masters type um, um, people that are joining your gym and they're not interested in competition or anything else, if guys are in their 50s and 60s and they're around 15%, that's really good. 
Um, females, if they're around 20% in their 50s or 60s, that's really good. Now, what we want to shy away from is, or try to work away from the big telltales, regardless of age, is when people are in like the 30% number. Okay. That's kind of where health issues become a major factor. 30, uh, um, even like 25% for guys and 30% for females. Got it. What is the best way to recover from muscle soreness after a workout? Um, okay. There's a lot of options. I'm trying to, in my head, come up with the best one really mm. quickly. I would say movement. Mm. Um, so it's the opposite of what you think. You're really sore. The last thing you want to do is stand up. You just want to stay in the chair and on the couch. That's going to, you're not going to get, um, you're not going to speed up the recovery process that way. The best thing to do is to get moving and to get blood flow. It's, it's actually to, if your legs are so sore, um, it's to get on the spin bike. It's to get all, it's to go for a walk. It's to try to get below parallel in a squat. It's try to get reclaim range of motion and blood flow. Next one is any tips on performance anxiety? And the the performance was not specified, so I guess you could take that for be singing or competing or whatever. Yeah, uh, reframe this um, from pass fail to I'm learning and growing and getting better. Um, people every day in the gym are afraid to go to the gym. Um, as I should say, some people are afraid to go to the gym because they don't want to do the workout because they think they might not beat their training buddy in the workout. This is so outside their wheelhouse. That's the exact opposite approach. What you're doing is you're, that's performance anxiety. Yep. I don't want to go do that. I might not do well. That's the exact reason to go there is because you'll probably gain the most from that exposure. So whether it's, I don't want to, um, join that painting class. I don't want to um, do the public speaking. I don't want to contribute in the meeting. I don't want to um, jump in that competition. I don't want to do partner with that person, the partner workout. Um, stop labeling it as pass fail and look at it as an opportunity for growth. Yeah. Maybe stop labeling it as a performance too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's on. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good call. Um, next one. How many classes can you coach alone without hiring additional coaches? Um, so I guess we have to put it, yeah. So in a, in a day, in a week, in a month, uh, in a yeah, year. Yeah. Um, so, I say, yeah. I, I, so I'm guessing they're asking CrossFit coaching CrossFit yeah. classes. Um, and it depends a little bit on if you're coaching one athlete or if you're coaching classes of 30, yep. but let's talk about like generality. You have an average gym with, you know, um, 15 people in a class. Um, and we're going to talk about this, uh, per day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you, it also depends on where you're on the business life cycle. Yep. Um, if you are just starting up, you should coach the majority of your classes. I think that you should coach 80% of the classes if you are within six months of opening up your gym. As you get to six months to within a year, you should get somebody else there for sure, if not two other people or so on. Um, it has a lot to do um, with other roles and responsibilities you need to take on. When you open up your gym, that's the jam. You yeah. coach classes. <laughs> um but what we look for is anything more than four is really tough. Four classes in a day. Yes, yep. correct. So if um, if you um, open up and you coach the 5.30, 6.30 class in the morning, and then you take a break and you coach the noon class and you also coach a class at four o'clock, that's a big major day. You have four, go back to the last question, you have four performances <laughs> that you put on in that day. Um, anything more than that and you're going to get burned out, you should seek help. Uh, at that, at, at those early stages, would you recommend folks adjust the schedule so that maybe there aren't seven classes to coach, but maybe there are 
four or five. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. Now, adjusting a schedule is harder than yeah. creating a schedule. Correct. So if you're adjusting a schedule, you've created a promise yeah. to your members that we have these seven classes a day. Oops, I made a mistake. I'm coaching all seven of those. I would then look for help. If I'm starting up a gym and I'm creating a schedule, this is what we did. We coached, there was three classes for the first year of CrossFit England, only three classes a day. Uh, we I could handle that. Yeah. And then from there, we grew and we grew and we grew. Really cool. Best food to eat before doing a CrossFit workout. So I guess maybe like I'm driving to the gym mm-hmm. or, you know, I've, I've got a, the 1230 class and it's 11 or 1130. Sure. Um, um, first one would be, first thing I would look for is... Um, a carbohydrate that's easily digestible. So something like a banana, um, a, you know, maybe a thing of like overnight oats, um, a fuel for fire, um, some applesauce, something like that. Something easily digestible, carbohydrates with uh, little to no fat in it. Um, you don't need much protein. Any one of those sources would be great. Got it. What is the biggest challenge in coaching a games level athlete? Um... Getting kept into the gym on time. Yeah. <laughs> um, a much more uh, bigger picture. Um, the stakes. Mm. It's someone's career. Yeah, interesting. So if you're coaching um, somebody, a regular member who's already fit and they're looking to get fitter, that's what a games level athlete is, um, and they don't get fitter, Okay, so you you didn't go from ten percent body fat to nine percent body fat. You stayed at ten. Okay, you went from forty unbroken pull ups to uh, forty unbroken pull ups. Mm-hmm. Like okay, uh, not a lot of stakes there. There's right. not like there's not a lot of risk there. Um, you stay status quo with a games level athlete. They fall down the leaderboard and they lose their livelihood. Mm-hmm. They lose sponsors. They lose attention. They lose their profession. Mm -hmm. So the stakes are much higher. That's the hardest part. Mm. If you could start uh, CrossFit New England differently today, what would you do? Um, I guess maybe put the differently to the end of the sentence. If you would restart. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah, What would you do differently? differently? I would um, pay a lot more attention to my hiring process. How I'm hiring coaches, what am I hiring them for? And real quick snapshot, I would hire on character first then ability and then skills. What I mean by that is, are they humble, hungry, and people smart? Um, we can talk at length about any of those. Then from there, what is their coaching ability? And then third, what extra skills do they bring? Are they really good with a hammer? Do they know WordPress? Are they good at marketing and so on? Gotcha. Is coconut water a good choice for an electrolyte fuel? It's not a bad choice, but it's not the best choice. So electrolytes, um, they people like coconut water because it has a fair amount of potassium, um, and it's actually used in some third world countries as as a, as a supplement as a set of IVs. Mm. So it actually like yes, it's not a bad choice. Um, but the number one electrolyte we want to be um, paying attention to is um, sodium chloride, is salt, and it doesn't have a ton of salt. So there's better options. Last question I've got. Does CrossFit help health issues like a bad back or bad knees or are folks who have those forever limited? So CrossFit performed well um, improves human movement. It is about functionality. It is about doing what we do in the gym and having it translate to real life. It is not about isolation movements or machines or trying to get big muscles. 
if you're trying, if you're working out on a machine, the goal of a machine is one of those things. It is just to try and get bigger muscles, um, but is not about improving functionality. It's not about transferring the gym to everyday life. That is the, the kind of long answer to it is one of the best, and I've talked to a handful of um, kind of forward-thinking, Kelly Starrett being one of them, yeah. um, physiotherapists that are that use CrossFit to get people back to health. So if you have a bad back, at the appropriate time, and it's a lot sooner than people think, you should start deadlifting. Because what happens is in real life, you if you can't do this, you go to the nursing home. You don't go to... You go to the hospital if you're sick. You go to the nursing home if you lose functionality. If you can't get yourself dressed, if you can't get out of bed, if you can't grab the thing off the top shelf, you need assisted living. So what CrossFit does is it teaches you how to get off the toilet, squat, how to pick up the groceries, deadlift, how to get something off the overhead shelf, an overhead press. Mm -hmm. It is the best protocol when performed appropriately for rehabbing movements. What is the... What what need what is a how do you know it's appropriate? If you were to walk into a gym and you say, oh, "I got a bad back, can I still do this?" How does how does a coach or a, or a gym owner know? Uh, yes, or you need to do this first. Mechanics, consistency, then and only then intensity. So mechanics, what is the movement patterns? So if they try to pick something off the ground and they can't get to the ground because their back is so jammed up and their hips are so tight, then they shouldn't be picking things up off the ground because the mechanics aren't right. So having that athlete try to pick up a 95-pound barbell is not the right thing to do. What you do is get mechanics in order. And that might take some mobility work. It might take some some just focused um, movement prep. It might take some coaching cues. It might just kind of manipulation of how to get that athlete in a better position. If they can move well, then we want to do that consistently. And we want them to do it so many times a week and so and so on and uh, without the coach's eye and then and only then are we going to increase loads. It's not a matter of like, okay, Ben just said, if you want to get better at your, get your back healthy, it's about deadlifts, throw 315 on the bar. It's not that at all. It's starting with a shortened range of motion, mm-hmm. working from the top down so you're preloaded. It's working um, with the, uh, the appropriate hinging patterns so you're not um, compensating through um, through lumbar flexion or anything else. It's about moving well first and then doing that on a consistent basis. And then way down the road with some progressions, we may get to a higher level of intensity. But if you only work with a 45-pound barbell, that's probably more than you were doing when you walked in and we might be happy with that. Got it. All right. Those are the questions I've got. Thank you to everybody who sent them. Thank you, Ben, for your answers. See everybody out there. Chase Nathan's. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.